There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most, State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I asked him one question. How many of you have had a brother, sister, father, mother, grandfather, grandmother, aunt or uncle, direct relative that has been in prison before you? This is Edward James Olmos on PBS in 1992 promoting the movie he had just directed, produced, and starred in called American Me. 99% easily. I mean, just by a few, maybe out of 500, there was maybe six or seven people, men who did not raise their hands. And Olmos was asked a simple question. How the hell did you shoot this movie in a real prison with real inmates? So he described his experience in Folsom Prison speaking to a group of inmates. And uh, um, I asked them how many would like to have their sons or their grandsons or their, you know, their Brothers, nephews sister, or nieces yeah, right. or relative after them come in here. And then none of them raised their hands. I said, OK, fine. Help me make this movie. Yeah. And they did. Almost was a household name at the time. He had spent five years on Miami Vice, nominated for an Oscar, and now he was talking to mainstream audiences about his passion project. It's the first time in the history of, of this country that, that, that we saw a penal institution opened up this way, allowed to be photographed, and inmates used, now, did, did, and the first time in the history of this country that, that Folsom Prison, one yeah. state prison, where blacks, whites, browns, yellows, and reds all work together towards one common goal and one to- common understanding. The film leaves you with a pessimistic message, doesn't it? Well, no, it leaves you with a truth. Welcome to More Than a Movie, American Me, a podcast that digs into the history and mystery of American Me. 
a film directed by and starring Edward James Olmos that had a huge impact on Latino cinema and culture. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and I'll be diving into the controversy behind the movie. This iconic 1992 film was a big deal for the Latino community, especially Chicanos. But unfortunately, its legacy was dealt a serious blow when several of the film's gang consultants were murdered shortly after its release. Even Edward James Olmos was possibly threatened and extorted. In fact, while I've been researching and interviewing people related to this film that came out 30 years ago, over and over again, I get eerily similar responses like, I won't talk about that, or flat out, leave this alone. On each episode, I'll peel back a layer on the mystery and myths surrounding American Me. By the way, if you haven't listened to our first episode, stop, go back, and start there, or this shit is just going to be too confusing. Let's review the fallout after the release of American Me. 1. Although there was critical acclaim, there was heavy blowback to the movie, both from the Latino community and the Mexican mafia. 2. Several people who were associated with the film were murdered after the movie came out. And three, the rumor is that it was so bad, there was a bounty on Edward James Olmos. And some say he even paid anything from 100000 to a million dollars to the Mexican mafia to stay alive. And even though he said he did, it really looks like Olmos never got permission from the Mexican mafia to tell this story, at least not the version that ended up on screen. So why would he do all this? In order to better understand that, we're dedicating this entire episode to the one, the only, Edward James Olmos. But first, let's recap who Edward James Olmos plays in this movie. American Me tells the story of Montoya Santana, leader of La Primera Gang, and it follows him from juvie to prison where he eventually is murdered. The film shows Santana's turn from lost street kid to gang leader to convicted felon to disenchanted veterano questioning his life choices. Santana is seen on both sides as both the victim of violence and the perpetrator of it. We first meet Olmos as the older version of Santana, having graduated from juvie to Folsom prison. Olmos plays him as a confident prison thug, hungry for power on the inside, comfortably doling out orders to underlings. Power became our game. Power to provide everything you find outside. But later, when Santana is let out of prison, he is no longer in control of the world around him. He struggles. That's painfully demonstrated in a scene where Santana can't perform with his girlfriend until he turns a consensual exchange into an act of violence. The scene is juxtaposed with another scene in prison where his gang sexually assaults an enemy. It's a bleak sequence, but it's a turning point for Santana in the film. He's become a monster, and he realizes he's no longer in control of the violence. The violence is controlling him. From that point on, almost plays the character as a man changed. Someone looking not for redemption per se, but for who he is when you take the gang life away from him. In the final scene of the movie, Santana, who has rejected the gang's way of life and is about to pay the price for it, faces down his assailants with confidence. You got a lot of heart, Governor. Maybe too much. You always gotta give it your best shot, you know. It's a clear and tragic message. No matter how alluring the power and control of gang life may seem, you can never truly escape the consequences of it, even if you mean well. But who was Edward James Olmos before he stepped into the role of Montoya Santana? 
Edward James Olmos was born February 24, 1947, in East Los Angeles. For the people living under a rock, but somehow listening to this podcast about a film he directed, here's a list of only a few of his credits. Zoot Suit, Miami Vice, Blade Runner, The Ballad of Gregorio Cortez, Stand and Deliver, Talent for the Game, Selena, 12 Angry Men, the remake, Beverly Hills Chihuahua, and of course, Battlestar Galactica. He has been nominated for a Tony and an Oscar. He won an Emmy, an Independent Spirit Award, and a slew of other industry accolades. And he's won so many Latino awards like Imagens and Almas that at a party, I once gave him a Latino Barbecue Lifetime Achievement Award. In absentia, of course. He's also an activist who has spoken at the United Nations and lobbied Washington on behalf of Latino causes. American Me as a Project was in many ways a piece of propaganda. It was designed to serve almost as activist objectives, which, in this case, were to get kids off the streets, to stop joining gangs, and end the cycle of violence once and for all. That's a pretty lofty goal, some might say, and the way almost decided to try to do it, by taking on the story of an actual gang, was very risky. Dangerous, even. And it yielded some pretty deadly results. When Edward James almost was building his career, the word Hispanic wasn't even on the U.S. Census. When the word first appeared on the census in 1980, the decade that followed saw attention being paid for the first time to this newly created pan-ethnicity that then numbered at 14 million. Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, Cubans, and other folks of different Latin American backgrounds united to consolidate economic and political power. Industries took notice, including Hollywood. Movies starring and about Hispanics in the 1980s included La Bamba, El Norte, Crossover Dreams, and Born in East L.A. The first notable Latino film of the decade was Zoot Suit in 1981, starring Edward James Olmos. The last was 1988's Stand and Deliver, starring Edward James Olmos. We literally watched Olmos become a movie star over the course of seven years. Zoot Suit was the OG Chicano gangster story. And it showed how racial discrimination by whites and police pushed communities to organize in other ways for safety and power, including gangs. In many ways, it was a prequel to American Me. The movie would change Edward James Olmos's life forever. And I remember falling to the ground as when I got the phone call from the Mark Taper asking me to play that role. I fell down crying because I knew what this meant. Almost plays El Pachuco a mythical character meant to literally embody Chicano culture. In other words, Edward James almost makes his on-screen debut basically playing Chicano Man. Our patrical realities will only make sense if you grasp their stylization. It was a secret fantasy of every vato, living in or out of the pachucada, to put on the zoot suit. You can see how El Pachuco's kind of spoken word way of narrating influenced Santana's voiceover at the beginning of American Me. Zoot suit, new suit, it sounded all the same. It was his role in Zoot Suit that caught the eye of casting director Jane Feinberg when she was casting Ridley Scott's 1982 sci-fi classic, Blade Runner. Eddie I'd known for a long time, and um, I brought him in for, to meet with Ridley. And it was Eddie's idea to pay a multinational, multi-ethnic, uh, multilingual character who had a a vocabulary of his own. And already that early in his career, Almost was asserting his will on the process. Listen to Ridley Scott talk about how Almost invented city speak, the fictional language in the film. That was tricky uh, because Eddie was saying, what's this city speak? So Eddie, God bless him, drove me crazy 
coming up with ideas of Esperanto and rhythms of speech that actually vaguely dovetailed and made sense into what he had to say in terms of the drama. He was absolutely obsessed with that, getting that right. To me, it paints a picture of a guy who, one, isn't afraid of powerful white people like Ridley Scott, and two, wants to put his stamp on everything he does. A lot of actors just show up and interpret the role on the page, not almost. He was a guy who, whether he knew it then or not, wanted to be a filmmaker. Edward James Olmos's star was on the rise in the 1980s. But his big break, the way he became a household name, all started with a phone call. With uh, Michael calling me up asking me if I wanted to work on Miami Vice. And I said, thank you, but man, I, I can't do this right now. Michael Mann, who would go on to direct Heat, Last of the Mohicans, and Collateral, was the creator of Miami Vice and almost still refused the role. I was afraid of a Miami Vice getting me to that point of, of making me known, but not allowing me to do Latino themed projects. Unheard of at that time. I mean, there wasn't even a, a whisper. In 1984, Edward James Almost was running a small furniture business to support his family. He was driving a 16 year old car. He was paying a modest mortgage of $215 a month. This was not a rich man we're talking about. But he was developing a few films, and he wasn't ready to go down the path of playing a stereotype. And people say, well, but if you become successful, then it'll help you over here to do this. They're not going to want to do stuff that looks like this. I had a huge responsibility. Meaning almost felt a responsibility to his community that was more important than his career. He said no to Michael Mann and Miami Vice. When his wife overheard the phone call, she said, quote, I think you should go talk to your son. He's in the room crying, asking why his dad doesn't want to work. Almost has said that moment felt like a knife to the heart. But he remained firm. He said he didn't want to have an exclusive contract. 24 episodes of Miami Vice means 10 months of filming and only two months to do other projects. But Mann wouldn't give up. The fifth time Michael Mann called, he offered almost a non-exclusive contract with creative control over his character. And a lot of money. I mean, the, the money he was offering me was more money than my father had made in his entire lifetime. Working 45 years of his life, he had never acquired what I was going to make in one season on this television show. Almost joined Miami Vice in 1984 and stayed on the show for five years. In Miami Vice, I played uh, a lieutenant, Lieutenant Martin Castillo. And um, it was probably one of the most interesting journeys that I took because it was um, such a well-received uh, commercial piece of work. And that's when he got the Emmy and the Golden Globe, but almost felt he needed to do something that would have a direct impact on his community. He took a role playing a high school teacher named Jaime Escalante in the 1988 film Stand and Deliver, and he transformed from an intimidating cop into a bookish teacher who saw math as a ticket out of the hood. Those scores would have never been questioned if my kids did not have Spanish surnames and come from barrio schools. You know that! He received an Academy Award nomination for the movie. Stand and Deliver catapulted almost to movie star status. By 1990, he had succeeded in what few actors, let alone Latino actors, had been able to accomplish. He was playing characters that had depth and nuance. He did TV and he did movies. He got non-exclusive contracts and he got creative control over his characters. 
But one thing I noticed about Olmos' career is that he doesn't make the obvious decision an actor would usually make. If you're an actor coming up who wants to be famous, you don't drive the director of Alien crazy by insisting on controlling what you say in the movie. You don't tell the future director of Heat what your character is going to do in the TV show. You do as you're told. But Olmos, I think, saw himself and sees himself first and foremost as a role model. It's even evidenced by the first starring movie role he chose, neighborhood hero Jaime Escalante. The fucking movie's literally called Stand and Deliver. So when he chooses the movie that would become his directorial debut, he wasn't just choosing it as Edward James Olmos, the actor. He was choosing it as Edward James Olmos, the activist. To Edward James Olmos, Making American Me was more than a movie. And we'll hear more about that side of him after the break with my guest, Rafael Agustin. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. 
So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back to More Than a Movie, American Me. I'm Alex Fumero. In the first half of this episode, we dug into the actor Edward James Olmos and how his career ascension into Hollywood royalty brought him to the making of American Me. For the record, we reached out to Mr. Olmos three separate times to see if he'd talk to us. Each time he declined. In fact, you'd have a hard time finding anything online after 1992 where Olmos discusses American Me at all. So instead, in this part of the episode, we dive into the man Edward James Olmos who is a mentor to my guest, Rafael Agustin. I could not get Edward James almost, but I have the next best thing sitting right in front of me. Uh, <laughs> my name is Rafael Agustin. Everyone in town calls me Rafa. And, and to his credit, he actually didn't say no. He said, I can't, Ah, which is a big difference. That is a big difference. Okay, big Zach Morris timeout. Um, fuck yeah, it's a big difference. When we were recording this, this just kind of like flew by me, but wow. Now just thinking about it, the man said he can't talk about it. Can't. It's been 30 years. Okay, time in. Uh, I think, um, I mean, I'm never going to speak about his feelings into all of this, but I'm here just to really talk more about who he is as a person. When Rafa was a student at UCLA, he interned at a film festival called La Leaf, founded by Edward James Olmos. And it just so happened that one day... This is no lie. One day, uh, I was working, <laughs> I was fixing a desk. I was literally like, un- like laying down on the floor, working like up and doing the nail. Because even at a Latino film festival, they make you do manual labor. I'm telling you, yeah. you that's the main reason I was there. Uh, he walks in and I was like, there he is. Freaking Edward James almost walks in and I'm literally working under the table. <laughs> Did you say hi from under the table? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I, I stood up quickly and, and he was just like, thank, he was so gracious. He was like, thank you so much for being, I mean, I'm a student volunteer, right? So he was like, thank you so much for being here, for being part of the movement. And I was like, what movement? Well, I don't even know what movement we're doing. But that, that, that one sentence, being part of the movement, is so, I feel like from everything I've learned about him and my own interactions with him, emblematic of who he is is he views himself as constantly within a movement correct right can you talk a little bit about that ethos yeah of course i mean not just the like the lack of representation movement in hollywood not just like lack of proper funding for school education movement he's also talking about the chicano movement and everything else that he's been working on and and that it took me an entire like year to figure out. I was like, what movement is he talking about? Like what? So I'm like trying to interpret and understand what he was saying until I finally saw all these like Latinos in Hollywood in one space celebrating together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy hell, this is the movement. There's so little of us, but we're powerful in like our art and our intent and the stories we're trying to tell. Let's get into that. So what do you know about Edward James almost? Like, how does, how much do you know about how Edward James almost goes from a kid living in LA to Edward James almost? Um, Well, from all the years of working with him and just hearing his stories, I know that he started in music and he brings so much, by the way, he brings so much music to his characters, but that's a separate thing. That's his, like, that's his process. And also, this is what's so interesting about him. Um, he, He embraces and studies so many different cultures. Yeah. That while everybody was doing suit suit as a, a, it's like the Chicano 
masterpiece, right? right? He's performing El Pachuco as if it was Kabuki theater. Whoa. That's what's so legendary about him. Like when he does Blade Runner, Ridley Scott didn't ask him to create a new language. They didn't ask him to do like the origami. He did that himself. In fact, almost his most famous line in the movie, too bad she won't live. But then again, who does? That was ad-libbed. He was surprised Ridley Scott left it in. He even invented the made-up language in the movie, city speak. 100%. That's why he's so freaking amazing. That's why we love him so much. I have spoken to some folks who were involved in the making of American Me, and I won't say who they are yet because they, frankly, are afraid to talk about American Me. Um, and But one of the things that I've heard is that there were several versions of the script and that EJO did his own pass on the script and that the studio, Universal wasn't happy with that as a final product. And so they brought in more writers and that there was a lot of tension between him and those writers because he did not like being rewritten. He did not like, he wanted absolute and total control over the finished product. And that seems to be a theme in how he works. And in the making of this movie, we've heard many times that he saw American Me as... I don't think he would call it this, but I would call it a propaganda piece, right? That it's a, it's a piece of politics. It's a piece of, it was a, it's, I'm going to make this movie and it's going to have an impact on the community and especially youth in the community. And it's going to dissuade them from a certain life path, you know? I mean, I will say that if anyone takes anything about this conversation, it's that his intent was intentional. When people watch The Godfather today, mm -hmm. we romanticize that. And mm -hmm. we all like, man, we want to have power and be in the mafia. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? When he made American Me, he wanted to make sure he did the exact opposite of The Godfather. Right. So I say that because I'm not just talking to a writer in Hollywood. I'm talking to someone who lives and breathes thinking about Latinos' roles yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. So when we approach the themes of this movie, I want to kind of talk about it that way. And one of the things that you can't ignore in this movie is the use of sexual violence as what seems to me like a deterrent to, to joining a gang, right? Or to gang life. That's really complicated. When you watch this movie, how did the, that sexual violence impact you when you first watched it as a youth? And what do you think about it now as someone who sort of thinks about identity in, in, in cinema? Oh, Jesus. So I, I would say that when Quentin Tarantino was a child, he, want, he said that one of the movies that most impacted him was Deliverance and that mm. rape scene in that movie. Mm -hmm. uh, he said it stuck with him for a very long time. And I think the same thing happened to me with American Me. I wasn't ready for that moment. I was like in, in shock. And it's just something that sticks with you. It's like the one thing in that film that I... I I wasn't prepared for it. And I grew up with a lot of gang violence around like my neighborhood. So I always knew how to maneuver my way around like the, the cholos and cholas. Um, I don't have much else to say about that particular moment, but I could just tell you as a kid, I was like, what am I watching? This is mm -hmm. so crazy. Multiple times in the movie, we see sexual violence. In a scene at his mother's grave, Santana finds out from his father he's the product of rape. When you were born... I tried to love you. 
But every time I looked at you, I wondered who your real father was. I wondered which sailor's blood you carried inside you. In a critical moment in the film, Santana is the victim of sexual assault while in juvie. Many believe these two scenes were the catalyst for real-life murders. This depiction of male-on-male sexual assault in a culture we know to be machista also reads as intentionally homophobic. Like, what's shameful about it isn't just that you were assaulted and made to feel powerless, but that it was by a man. So I asked Rafa if he was reading the use of violence by almost the same way I was, and what he thought the reaction would be if American Me came out today. Jesus Christ, in the same way that we react to Game of Thrones. I mean, you watch that in Game of Thrones, I don't, I don't think, oh, I want to join Westeros. <laughs> I watch American Me, and I'm like, I don't want to join that. Right. Um, I, I, for me, actually, the, the thing that I would most want to know today is how based on reality it is. Mm. If that's, I mean, I don't know if that's true or if it's not true. I don't know what the intent of the writers were. But that's where my brain goes every time I watch something that's based, loosely based on real life. Like, why did we want to exploit this moment? For what effect? And, yeah. if, and if there's any kernel of truth to it. How do you think uh, a man being sexually assaulted by another man, how do you think that that victim is perceived by a large portion of Latino or Chicano culture? Is it fair to say that people would, may, some people might see that victim as like, emasculated or soft or or less than right like is there a certain amount of like yeah but i wouldn't let that happen to me the only thing i can say is that american me was the most stolen movie in blockbuster history so a lot of people related to it a lot of people admired it and god knows what that particular scene did to people Mm. but it definitely did not glamorize like that lifestyle for sure for sure i think that's yeah and i think and i think that was the intent correct right um so so you watch this movie but then i I think who's who's stealing this movie at blockbuster (laughs) that's where my brain coming up on more than a movie we'll talk about how american me ever got made in the first place and how the movie's fallout changed edward james almost's career forever There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back to More Than a Movie, American Me. I'm Alex Fumero. We're talking to one of Edward James Olmos's closest friends, Rafael Agustin. He's telling me how this movie and its fallout, the threats, the murders, may have changed Olmos's career. I've said this, but one of the main reasons I wanted to do this podcast was because of what could have been with American Me. It could have been The Godfather or Mean Streets in the sense that it could have launched the careers of a ton of movie stars and a slew of follow-up films. I wanted Rafa to help articulate why that missed opportunity matters so much. It's lack of jobs. It's lack of access. It's lack of opportunity to have one film that hires so many and then there not being another. Um, th- this is life-changing for a lot of people who work in the industry and try to work in the industry at that time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about the reaction to the movie, it also felt like it was too raw and too powerful and not, who who were you pleasing? You weren't pleasing like the American movie audience. Mm-hmm. You weren't pleasing the Latino community. You weren't pleasing members of, of like this section of our society that are dealing with the criminal justice system. So who are you pleasing? Like, it's a strong, raw testament of a period in time that he captured, and he made a statement with it. Um, when we look back, uh, I still think it, I mean, I saw that movie probably like a few years back, and I was like, Jesus, this is still like hard to watch, and it's still very powerful. Oh, yeah. Um, but maybe it's one of those things like, it's ahead of its time. Like, people weren't ready for this, and the community wasn't ready for this either. 
like the Hollywood community or the Latino community. And now Latinos have taken over Hollywood and we have uh, <laughs> incredible and, and representation. And now very little has changed. And that's, yeah. that's what's so heartbreaking. We have no one in positions of power. We have very, very little writers and directors. Um, you know, you know our percentages across the, the United States and we're like, what? Five percent of the speaking roles. That's four percent. Four percent. Four percent of the speaking roles. Nineteen percent of the population. It's insane. We're one in five Americans, and then behind the camera, it's atrocious. And then at the executive level, and it's it atrocious. was and it was worse then. And that's when he chose to make American Me. This was this was a unicorn. What was happening here was a fucking unicorn. You know. In fact, like Scarface, for whatever kind of commercial success it had and cult success. Like it, it got the studios got a bad rap. So like part of the reason that this movie even happened the way it is, this script existed for years before it got made. And part of the reason it in fact that role that Edward James Olmos plays was supposed to be for Al Pacino to play. And wow, the studio I didn't even know that. Yes. And the studio was like, no, because we're gonna get major blowback. Because by that time there was enough kind of organizing going on in Hollywood. I think National Hispanic Media Coalition was like making a big deal about stuff, and and so uh, Al Pacino, by the way, who made who made a career playing, I mean, outside of The Godfather, of course, playing Latino lead roles Tell in me Carlitos about it. Way and Scarface, Cuban American, Puerto Rican. It's interesting. Tell me about it. And he was trying to do the trifecta, and, and, and he was get, he was trying to get, get the Mexican get Americans, the and they there. were like, "Yo, yo, yo, what's up?" I'm not sure that he agreed to do it, but I know that's who the producers initially wanted and the writer originally wanted, but but. Then they were like, no, we need to well, do this. I didn't this. know that. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. We need to do this with a Latino lead. And so they went out at EJO. I don't even think he had been nominated for Stand and Deliver yet. But, like, they, you know, he had made the movie. And they were like, we'll cast him. And he actually said to them, I'm not interested unless I can direct. And then they, they said, well, I don't know. This guy's never directed before. So the compromise with the studio is that Robert M. Young will basically co-direct the movie with Almost. So to me, that means that there were two tracks into producing this film because I understood that he also had this article for years and was trying to make it himself. It's very possible that he yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. that he wanted to make this movie himself but there and was that the stars aligned. Interesting. Right? It doesn't make a lot of money and it becomes a kind of cult hit, but that's, you know, that's sort of after the fact. This is where you really got to interact with him. What has what has the last 20 years of his career looked like out of the limelight? Like not not the stuff we've seen him do on screen. Before I get into the 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 organizational work and community work that he's done, um I do want to say that a testament to his character is a story that I heard from people close to him that he was offered the film in the line of fire, which is that Clint Eastwood movie about someone trying to kill the president of the United States. Edward James almost turned it down. Because he said to everyone around him, we cannot have a Latino or Mexican-American try to kill the president of the United States. That's irresponsible. Spot on. But do you think any actor today would pass on that role for that reason? And I think that, to me, is the story that best represents Edward James almost. Can you talk a little bit about the institutional work and also just like... What that means, you know, like like for people outside of Hollywood, like how is this this guy's changing lives? Let's be real. He has changed lives. You're one example of that. But tell tell me a little bit more about that. So for decades, the man gets pulled as the only representation in our, of our community, right? He gets pulled in many different directions and he always shows up. If it's political activism, if it's to make sure people 
in the Latino community get out to vote, to make sure that he's fighting for proper funding in school educations, to make sure there's proper representation in Hollywood. And all these things start aligning to become this institute that we created, the Latino Film Institute. And it all stems not just from the LEAF, right? The Los Angeles Latino International Film Festival that Lupe Ontiveros told me, this is where the Latino industry and community comes together. It's truly when we launched the Youth Cinema Project. That's when everything changed. I mean, the man himself has told me, when I leave this earth, people will not remember me for my activism and people will not remember me for my Hollywood work. They will only remember me for the Youth Cinema Project. He has found new meaning in life because of this work. And what is it? So the Youth Cinema Project essentially took film graduate school and put it in fourth grade. What we do is not revolutionary. The age that we do it, it is. And to me, this is full circle for Mr. Almost because he, he started, he really came into national consciousness by portraying Jaime Escalante, a man who argued that mar marginalized students and children will rise to the level of expectation. And no one believed they would until someone believed in them. And now he's doing the same thing, but through film in schools. Because what does film do? It, a film project, as you know, as a producer yourself, the amount of communication, collaboration, critical thinking, creativity that goes into a film, those are like the four pillars that all schools want to accomplish. So the project itself is not the film, it's the student. It's the amount of work, the self-advocacy, the growth, them wanting to read and write because they're not thinking we're studying, they're thinking we're making a film. The idea of telling your own story, the social emotional empowerment, this work is truly changing lives. And this is the work that he knows he's going to be remembered for. And this is the work that I also think he's going to be remembered for. Because you wait until, right now we're all throughout the state of, not all, but we're working a lot of school districts throughout the state of California. You wait until the rest of the United States gets a hold of this. Like how are we going to have a fighting chance in Hollywood if you start post-college? We have plenty of brilliant artists in our community. We just don't have the access and funding. So that's what we're trying to address. How do we prove to people that we're worth investing in? And how do we help them get that access into Hollywood? So in a way, I wonder if you think, I mean, do you think Edward, maybe Edward James almost would be doing this stuff if he were like directing a film every two years, you know? But do you think that maybe the kind of aftermath of American Me, like ironically sort of like pushed him into a more direct action kind of way of intervening in young people's lives. Cause he made this movie to intervene in young people's lives. Right. But he sort of ends up actually intervening in young people's lives. Correct. And I think this is the way I think of American Me. It is so easy to get projects that are about gangs and narcos greenlit by our community. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think he was able to get this greenlit and then turned it on its head. That's how I'd like to choose to think of this film because he's told me he's tried for nearly 20 years to make the film about the first Latino Medal of Honor winner and he can't get anyone to, to want to do that project. But when it comes to gangsters and when it comes to like narcos, people want to jump on that right away. Well, maybe a Latino, uh, maybe a, a youth cinema project director. <laughs> One day we'll, we'll make that movie and it'll I, come full and circle. And we truly hope so. I mean, the stories that are coming out of the our public schools are are they'll break your heart. They're so powerful, so so powerful. 
because our kids might not have the money and might not have like the access, but we have our, we have the stories is what we have. I do have one last question that I ask everybody. What is your favorite scene in American Me? Oh my God. Let me think about that. You know, my, the, the, the scene that always sticks with me is when he first comes out of prison and he's taking in his neighborhood for the first time. And like, that, sh- that shit makes me want to cry because when someone is like so institutionalized and then they see the outside world for the first time and I felt, I felt how both magical and scary it was to him. And for some reason, even as a child, like I, I really responded to that. That's cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, man, for sure. You know what's so interesting, like hearing you you talk, is when you look back at Dustin Hoffman, no one will ever remember him as a Jewish American actor. No. And people don't look back at Al Pacino and go, that's an Italian American actor. But when they look back at Edward James Olmos, they do say, that's a Latino American actor. Mm-hmm. And that's that's crazy. That's crazy because to me, being Latino is a uniquely American experience. Like in in, in Cuba, you're not Latino. You're Cuban. In Ecuador, I'm not Latino. I'm Ecuadorian. In Mexico, you're not Latino. You're Mexican. But in the United States, we're all Latino. Oh, we made it up here. That's what I'm saying. So being Latino is uniquely fucking American. Yeah. And that's the uphill battle that we're still having. Mm -hmm. Where Latinos are still being othered. Do you only speak Spanish? How do we write your stories? How do we program to you? You know, it's, it's still something that we're all trying to conquer and overcome in Hollywood. And the work is only beginning it's only beginning that's what's so sad like we're moving backwards mm-hmm. i mean we're moving backwards from the day that desi arnaz was the star of the biggest show and every american was accustomed to living with desi arnaz a cuban american in their households we've worked backwards from that on the next episode we meet actor jacob vargas you know him from traffic next friday and currently in national treasure edge of history on disney plus but jacob's big break came from playing santana's younger brother paulito in american me and i remember um, one scene specifically was the you know the end of the movie where where, where, we, where we do the drive-by i mean he was a wreck he was like an emotional wreck like he was like crying and and, and i remember you saying this, this is you know, there's this just too much of this. There's too much of this happening in our, in our community, Jacob. That's on the next episode of More Than a Movie, American Me. More Than a Movie, American Me is a production of Exile Content Studios and Trojan Horse in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network. The show is produced by me, Alex Fumero, at Angry Yuka on the Internets. And our senior producer is Nigel Duara. Rose Reed and Kareem Tapsh are the executive producers. Production assistance from Sabine Jansen, Anna Octavio, and Stella Emmett. Mixing and sound design by Eduardo Albornos. Our executive producers at iHeart are Giselle Bances and Arlene Santana. For more podcasts, listen to the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. 
Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.